everyone. Welcome back to the Spinning Back Kick podcast. I'm your host, Aiden Waxman. I'm here today with Ryan Parker, my good friend, to discuss UFC 287. And that was an amazing event, Ryan. Holy cow. Yeah, that was one of the best ones I've watched in a little bit. Uh, it was a delight to be there and watch it. Yeah, absolutely. It was a delight to watch all those fights. Lots of great action throughout the night. We didn't get to see any, uh, you know, not, not a lot of wrestling. But we did get to see a lot of great knockouts. We got to see Izzy reclaim his belt. We got to see that epic knockout from uh, from Rob Font over Adrian Yanez. We got to see a great fight of the night in Kelvin Gastelum and Chris Curtis at, uh, at middleweight. And that was a fantastic mashup between those two guys. Left it all in the octagon. Kelvin Gastelum looked really fresh coming off of a big layoff. He was kind of, he was definitely slipping his last couple of fights. So it definitely dropped. He's dropped plenty of his fights. I think he dropped like at least three of his last four. Struggled ever since that. Do you remember that war he fought against uh, Adesanya for the interim title? I think so. That was a legendary. Fight, yeah, at least man. so. Yeah, that was such that a was. good fight. Uh, just, I think that that was the clip where Israel Adesanya said, uh, "I'm prepared to die." Yeah. That was Oh, that was that fight? That makes more sense. Yeah, yeah, that fight was just brutal. But definitely, you know, took probably took some some of the fighting gas tank off of Gastelum because of just of I mean actually speaking of, you know, fights taking a couple years off your career, how about Rory McDonald and Robbie Lawler getting uh, Hall of Fame, getting the Hall of Fame honors for in, in the fight wing of the UFC. I mean, you want to talk about good fights? Nothing compares to that. And I know you love that fight. Yeah, no, I, I do love that fight. I love Roy McDonald, love Robbie Lawler. It's like one of the best fights the UFC has ever had. And it's like, I don't think anybody can debate that, honestly. Yeah, no one can debate that. Just, when we, we were talking about during the, while watching UFC 287 and talking about that fight just how much of a war like that was a real war that was a real freaking war yeah there's always the that one clip of robbie lawler his face is all bloody he like blows the blood just like everywhere yep, they, exactly he blows the blood on, blood on the uh, on the canvas and then robbie and uh rory they stare at each other just you know for about five ten seconds and then i think i think secure it was either the ref for that fight or security took them back to their corners. And the, those guys were all in. Yeah, I know. They, they did not want to go to their yeah, corners. Yeah, they did not want to go to their corners at all. They were standing there. They were, you know, they were, they were as I said, they were at war. And that just, you know, Robbie Lawler with the round five knockout, just punching McRory's already, you know, destroyed nose. Or did, did that count as a knockout? Yeah. Because it was like, Oh, it counted as a knockout, even though like it was kind of like it's it's called like submission to punches. So I guess it's kind of like a TKO. Oh, okay, yeah. But it was just you know mm-hmm. his nose was so shattered, Rory's nose was so shattered that he just couldn't take it anymore, and that obviously had a pretty big effect on his career. You know he went to PFL after UFC. He struggled in the UFC after that fight. Then he went to PFL, and he, he was he was all right at PFL, but. A bit inconsistent. That's one of those fights that takes a couple years off your, off your career. And Gast- Gastelum had the same thing against Adesanya, but had a great comeback fight against Chris Curtis. Chris Curtis said 
thought that he won the fight, but I, I, I don't really think that... I mean, it was a unanimous decision. Yeah, so. it's not like a split decision where there's controversy here. It's It was pretty clear that it was 29-28 on, I think, all the media's scorecards. It was 29-28 on most of the judges' scorecards. There was one judge, excuse me, one judge who scored it 30-27, to 27, and that was kind of wrong, in my opinion. But still, Gastelum gets the big W, gets to stay in those middleweight rankings, and hopefully can maybe make his way back into the top 10. He said he wants to make another run. I don't know if it's possible considering the depth of middleweight, but, you know, who knows? I mean, yeah, it's very competitive. We've seen Alder runs before. Now, going into the main card of UFC 287, how about Christian Rodriguez beating Raul Rosas? I mean, Raul Rosas did not look like... He just looked inexperienced. I think that's how I would describe him. Yeah, I think his age is kind of showing in there. Like, he's very one-dimensional. Um, I, I think once he's grown up and he has had time to train, just, like, kind of, like, round out as a fighter, because we kind of saw he, he could only... Re- he was just going for takedowns over and over again, uh, which is how he's like ended all of his fights so far i believe or like the majority of his fights so far but it just wasn't working uh and he couldn't keep up on the feet absolutely he could not keep up on the feet at all i think he landed like two significant strikes the entire fight uh he, he just i it's like he was it's like you have uh you just got ufc4 on your ps4 your xbox and you just start spamming the takedown button because it's the only button you know that's kind of what Rosas looked like the other night, if I'm being totally honest. He he just couldn't, like you said, you, you summed it up perfectly. He was one-dimensional. There wasn't much else to his game besides, you know, wrestling. And in the first round, we saw that it worked. The first round, you know, he took uh, Rodriguez's back, and he was doing some work there. But after that, it was all Christian Rodriguez for the W. And I know that, I think they we might have underestimated Christian Rodriguez a little bit. Yeah, I think it's mostly because I was unfamiliar with him as a fighter. And then also the hype train of Raul Rosas and how young he is. I think we wanted to see him win just because. Absolutely. I think most people wanted to see him win. I remember the during the, you know, the, for the introductions, the crowd in Miami was, you know, they roared. The, the crowd actually popped for Rosas and they booed Rodriguez. So you're definitely right about the hype train. But overall, overall, definitely a, a big win for Christian Rodriguez, moving to 9-1, and one, 25 years old, looking to work his way up in that stacked bantamweight division. And speaking of bantamweight, how about that Rob Font knockout over Adrian Yanez in the first round? I remember saying at the start of that fight that this was going to be a brawl, and a brawl it was. Yeah, I know. It was like... Out of the gates, it was just straight action. Um, but you could kind of tell that Rob Font was, just had the upper hand the majority of the time, and he ended it really fast. I, I'm looking at the fight right now, and I believe it was three minutes and three seconds. It was over. Yeah, quick fight, ends in round one. Two boxers going at it, and Yanez looked pretty solid at first. He actually wobbled Font a couple of times. But Font did a great job of, and this is another fight where it comes down to experience, I think. You know, Yanez is a rising, another rising star in the UFC. He's, he's, his defense needs work. 
and I've seen that in some of his other fights against, uh, I think, Tony Kelly. Uh, that was, I think, uh, around four or five months ago. I saw his, Giannis' defense was a little bit shaky, I would I would say. Shaky, I think that's the word. And it was the same way last night, just, you know, Font able to land these big combinations, and he just, I think he landed, it was like a straight right hand or something, and it just sat Giannis down, and he was out cold. Yeah, and that, that was, I don't know, it was just lights out. Like, he just could not keep up for however long the fight lasted. Yeah, Font, you know, moves up. Uh, he was actually ranked number six. I'm sure he'll move up a spot or two. Rob Font looking to make his way to a title shot, hopefully soon. And I think he's quite capable of it. He, after that, I think his last fight was against Marlon Vera. And he lost that fight. He said that he didn't really feel right. Font took a pretty long layoff, came back last night. He looked great. And how about the crisp combinations from Rob Font as well? I mean, fantastic boxing. Both fighters, fantastic boxers. And I think Adrian Yanez, though, even though he lost, I think he has a bright future. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's still young, right? Yeah, I mean, he has a long future ahead of him. Uh, he he just needs to kind of patch up his weaknesses, and I think he'll be a really solid fighter. Yeah, patch up that defense, and maybe maybe, you know, he can get some wrestling into that game, turn into... Adrian Yanez Amedov, maybe you get that Dagestan one day. For, yeah, yeah, exactly. Travel to Dagestan, you know, train with Khabib. But that's a that's a privilege for a for very very few for the few. So yeah, maybe though, maybe we can we can certainly hope. Now you know, going off, I know we got into a little bit into wrestling there with Nurmagomedov, but back to what this main card was really all about, which was striking, was Kevin Holland defeating Santiago Ponzinibbio. Boy, did we get this fight wrong. You and I predicted that Ponzinibbio was going to get an easy dub, but Kevin Holland showed up. Yeah, no, I think the second that we saw the size difference, we instantly changed our minds. We did not see how much bigger Kevin Holland was than Ponzinibbio. Uh, it It looked like David versus Goliath. It was... It did look like David versus Goliath. And then in in this case, I think the reach advantage for Holland was eight inches. Yeah, he just, like... It looked like Ponzinibbio was trying to do a lot of the same stuff that Vol- Vol- Volkanovski had to do against Islam. Uh, you know, just like try to play it slow and take the punches you can get. But it was like he just could not get over the reach advantage. It was really rough. Uh, Kevin Holland just kept him out the entire time. Holland did a great job of keeping range that fight. He actually did a great job of using calf kicks as well. He did a great job of, de- of really destroying Ponzinibbio's base. And then at the end of the first round, he actually, it was that. So what happened was Holland caught a Ponzinibbio's leg kick. And actually, that was the other way around. Excuse me. Ponzinibbio caught Holland's leg kick. And then Kevin Holland threw Actress. like, I, I don't even know what to describe it as. It was like, it was, at first it was a front fist. First it was like a, fr- he threw it like forward and then he brought his fist back for a back fist and it just hit the spot perfectly. And he was like, I mean, he looked almost out of it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I don't think the fight was called then. I think he had to go through some more ground yeah, pounding. The fight was called in the second round. Yeah, the fight was called in the second round after uh, Holland landed a disgusting left hand that pretty much rendered Ponzinibbio unable to fight. And this is actually a question that I have for you, because I saw 
on Instagram that Ponzinibbio was upset because he thought it was an early stoppage, but I think that's No, BS. I could also see uh, right after the fight, Ponzinibbio, he got up and he had his hands up in the air. Uh, he was, like, complaining to the ref that the you know, fight was stopped early. And I don't know. I don't think it was... I, don't, I didn't notice that it was stopped early. Uh, but, I mean, the fighters have a different perspective. I don't know. Um, I I think the the fight. I don't think the fight was stopped early for two reasons. The first being, I remember Ponzinibbio standing up and protesting the stoppage, but he looked wobbly. Like he looks like he really didn't know where he was. And secondly, I saw a live image of Ponzinibbio. It was just like you know a a just a live image of Ponzinibbio down on the ground, and I mean he looked out cold. I don't blame the if the ref doesn't stop that. You know what what's the limit? <laughs> You know, yeah. well, when is someone out? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a pretty universal uh, just problem in any fighting, uh, fighting promotion, because it's really, it's just like, it's all up to perspective, and the ref is the only perspective that really matters. Unless it's like blatantly obvious that it was the wrong call, then the ref is always going to be right. Uh, once it's called, nothing can really be done about it. Uh, so it's just, I don't, I don't think it's a problem that can really be fixed. It's just something that uh, you just need to trust the refs with. I completely agree. And I honestly think that fans should be may, way more concerned with holding judges, like fighting judges accountable than refs. Because the, their jobs are very different. You know, refs are there to keep fighters safe. Judges are there to sit in their chair on their tuxedo and judge and, you know, We've seen with judges, we've seen some terrible decisions before, uh, like literally throughout all of UFC's history. So there should definitely be, I think, more concern surrounding holding judges accountable than, you know, holding refs, quote unquote, accountable, because it's a hard job. I agree. And I think we we might have talked about last week how we want uh, judging criteria to be uh, kind of stepped up or like the criteria to become a judge, something like that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. We're talking about how. Judges really need to, there needs to be more accountability among state athletic commissions when it comes to providing the uh, requirements and courses for old, uh, for mixed martial arts judges to become judges because it's a, it's a little bit too easy right now, I think. And I think because of it, we're getting some very questionable decisions on all levels of mixed martial arts. But that's definitely, that's honestly, that's an issue that could be its own podcast just because it's so widespread. But yeah, it's definitely a problem, and it needs to be fixed, you know, as soon as possible. And on spinning back on spinning back kick MMA on the blog, we'll have an article on that coming out within within the next couple of weeks. There will be an article on Tatsuro Taira, the rising Japanese mixed martial artist, stands undefeated. So plenty of that coming your way on spinning back kick blog. Should be great articles coming out this weekend. So stay tuned for that. Moving on to the next fight, how about the co-main Gilbert Burns and Jorge Masvidal? Gilbert Burns wins by unanimous decision, and Masvidal retires. Yeah, that that was, that's big. I mean, he stuck to his word. He said that before the fight that if he didn't win, then he was going to retire, and he did. Um, it wasn't the most entertaining fight, but it was definitely, like, definitely a Burns win. Uh, I did see online. I don't know if I sent you this, but. Uh, Burns complaining that 
Masvidal was uh, like lotioned up before the fight and he was more slippery. I think you, I think, no, I think we did talk about this. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We, mm, yeah, there was this, yeah, that was an accusation made by Burns in the post fight press conference after UFC 287 took place. And I noticed for why I didn't really say anything about it while we were watching the fight, but I noticed that Mosfidal looked very like shiny during the fight and it looked especially difficult for Gilbert to get grips on him. And I, I didn't really think about it at first. But then when Burns talked about it, I'm like, that makes a lot of sense. And I don't think Masvidal has anything to lose by doing it. Yeah. And I mean, like Burns is an excellent grappler and it, it, Masvidal doesn't have that exact same reputation, but it seemed like Burns was having a hard time getting past guard. Uh, and it kind of seemed like he was just shelling up and maybe that was because he couldn't get proper grips in. Yeah, that's definitely a possibility. Also, some of the usually Burns is more accurate with the takedowns too, but we didn't really see that. And but either way, I don't think it matters for Masvidal because you know it's his last fight. <laughs> it's not much they can do about it. But it's I didn't know that that trick existed. That you know they go into they they take a shower with lotion and then they do it again and again every three hours for like an entire day. So when they go into fight night and start sweating, it's all just like slippery i don't i don't what do you even do about that if you're like a, a, an athletic i don't know maybe like because you wouldn't be able to like check in between rounds would you because like i don't know well actually what you might be able to do is be able to check them during warm-ups because during warm-ups you're gonna yeah sweat. you could also have I don't know, this might be like a little too invasive but you could have like a rep from the ufc with them for like a day or two before the fight i don't know that's yeah that's possible as well kind of to you know, have them there to make sure that the fighter isn't engaging in any illegal practices. But that's a you know that's just that's one of those things I think in MMA where it's that's rough and it sucks and there's nothing much you can do about it if you're Gilbert Burns. But the good news is Burns is the winner. He won the fight. He moves to twenty two and five. And I don't know about you, but I want to see Gilbert Burns. I want to see Gilbert Burns fight Kamaru Usman for a second time. Do you have anyone else in mind? Uh, no, that sounds pretty good to me because, you know, uh, Usman coming off the loss, I think I think Burns would be a good opponent for him. Because I don't know who else who else would you want to have Burns fight. Like, yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe Colby Covington, Maybe. but it sounds like Colby Covington is getting the title shot. True. Yeah, Masvidal also saying that uh, Covington might have a brain injury and it might prevent him from fighting, which is a weird thing to say if it's not true. But I guess we'll see eventually if that ever comes to light. Yeah, that was, that was a comment that I was confused about from Masvidal because Dana is the one, you know, all, g- really promoting this Colby Covington title shot thing. And if Colby Covington has a brain injury, then why is Dana promoting Covington for a title fight, you know, with Leon Edwards. It's just a little confusing, but it's hard to take anything those two say about each other seriously because they have so much beef. You know what There's I mean? There's a lot of dishonesty flying around between them. There's a lot of bad blood, too. Like, Masvidal, didn't he get in trouble for jumping Covington at one point? Yep. Jump Covington. I think it was at a bar in Miami. Yeah, it's just crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those two do not like each other. They had the chance to fight each other, and Covington won. But you know, I don't, I don't think Jorge Masvidal was satisfied with that result. So, jump him at a bar. It is. So, moving to middleweight, 
uh, well, of course, middleweight, you know, are the new and, you know, I, I we could say and new, I guess. But, you know, I would go with, technically speaking, just the fact, you know, and still, because he's been champion of the middleweight division for so long now. Israel Adesanya gets his title back from Alex Pereira. And I know our hearts were racing during that fight. Is he, you know, we, we talked a lot about him not being that good, him... You know, Pereira being the the fighter who has his number, and is he, you know, frozen like Elsa, those kind of, you know, comments, yeah. but is he proved all the haters wrong? Yeah, no, I think going into the fight, I was, I think something that I always want to see from Izzy, that like, I know he can do, is just be active. That He was always active going all the way up until he became champion, and then he kind of got a little slow. Or like, he didn't get slow, but he started fighting slower, and it's less entertaining. People started not liking him in the media. It kind of, because like when Pereira is winning, or no, when Adesanya is winning and he's actually being active in the fights, people like him. And nobody cares about the weird comments because he's just a, like entertaining fighter. Uh, and he did that in this fight, uh, which I was really happy about, even though my prediction was wrong. Uh, he did, he knocked Pereira out cold. Like he was on the ground for, I don't know, 20, 30 seconds. Yeah, he was out really cold you know he was he looked very dazed when he woke up and going back to what you were talking about with Israel Adesanya kind of fighting at a slower pace when he became champion he had a couple you know knockouts at the beginning of his reign but after that you're 100% right he started to slow down a bit and you know people were calling him the last decision bender and it was uh people didn't like him and people started getting bored watching his fights I was one of those people and then Alex Pereira knocked him out and you know I was a big Pereira fan and Adesanya I wouldn't say I'm honestly a fan of Adesanya again because just because that last decision bender era was really not enjoyable to watch but I do have you know newfound respect for him because I I honestly thought that Alex Pereira had Israel's number he was his kryptonite. But Adesanya and gets that round two knockout. And I mean, that's just like a, what? It was a like a right hook, but, and he hit him twice with it too. It was like one, two with the same exact hand and the same exact punch. Yeah, that was crazy. Like, what do you, what do you think is next for Pereira? I think that Pereira, Dana said it already, that, but he, Dana thinks that Pereira should move up to 205 at a light heavyweight. I completely agree. Yeah, he's too big for that. <laughs> You're 100% right. He's cutting about 40 pounds, really, for these fights at middleweight. Imagine Alex Pereira with... As, how, how do you even say this? Imagine Alex Pereira, but bigger. Like, how do you, how do you even, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, like that's just crazy. One thing I really think Pereira needs to work on is just not being so stiff. Because, like, he's... Obviously, I can see how you'd get, you'd get by being a little stiffer in kickboxing but with so much wrestling in the ufc i really don't think you can really get around it you need to be flexible you need to be mobile he just looks so stiff when he fights i i think that's like one of his biggest weaknesses if not his biggest at the moment yeah and he was especially heavy on that that front leg that lead leg in the fight and we, we both picked up on that israel izzy was able to land some calf kicks and i thought that Pereira was checking them but some of them were actually getting through and when i went back and watched the replay so you're totally right about Pereira's stance he's gonna have to change it a little bit just because of the nature of mma at light heavyweight i just i don't want him to fight a wrestler because we both know what's going to happen if he fights a wrestler yeah it's gonna look exactly like jones versus gone i think 
think he's just gonna get demolished if he fights a wrestler. Yeah, it's just you know it's not good for the fans at all. And it, we love Alex Pereira. I'd love to see him fight in the UFC for a lot longer. He's a super entertaining fighter, super talented as well, fantastic striker. Izzy said, you know, good luck dealing with this guy light heavyweights because he's a big freaking problem, and he is absolutely a big freaking problem. Yeah, no, he's he's a freak of nature. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. I mean, six foot four, light heavyweight, two oh five. His weight cuts are gonna be easier. It's I think the light heavyweight's gonna be a great home for him but he's definitely gonna have to make sure his wrestling's on point because light heavyweight has a bunch of wrestlers there i mean magomed ankolaev jan blauschewitz uh i would put nikita krilov in the category of solid wrestler he's very good at all around but very solid wrestler so light heavyweight has plenty of solid wrestlers and Pereira is going to have to spend a lot of time with his coach Glover Teixeira going through wrestling exchanges and changing training for wrestling because it's mixed martial arts not kickboxing anymore i completely agree now, we've discussed what's next for Alex Pereira, uh, you know, maybe moving up to light heavyweight. How about the middleweight division? I mean, Izzy has run laps around everyone in the top five. What do you, what do you think's next? Top contenders, I mean, if we go through the rankings, start number one contender, uh, assuming Pereira moves up to light heavyweight, we got Robert Whitaker, who, you know, Adesanya's beaten twice. Vittori, who Adesanya's beaten twice. Jared Cannonier, who I'm... I think, yeah, Adesanya already beat Cannonier. We watched that fight. Adesanya's already beat Paulo Costa. I mean, he's just cleared out everyone. Yeah, he did. I, yeah, I think Whitaker is definitely the best option right now. I don't think Vittori really deserves a title shot. I, I don't think Cannonier really does either at the moment. And I think even before the championship fight, it sounded like Whitaker was pretty much decided that he was going to fight whoever wins. Yeah, I mean, I think I even sent you a clip of him in an interview. He was like, yeah, I hope... They both fight so yeah, hard that neither yeah. of them can fight me after. <laughs> yeah, both of them beat, beat up each other so bad that you grab that title. And I, I think, you know, we, we're talking about these middleweights. And how about, before I talk about who I think is going to fight uh, Izzy next, is Drikus Duplessis, the South African fighter who recently beat Derek Brunson to move into the top seven in the UFC middleweight rankings. He actually claimed that Israel Adesanya wasn't a real, you know, real African because he lives in New Zealand. And Israel Adesanya responded in a press conference yesterday by saying that he's going to drag Duplessis' carcass across South Africa. <laughs> so that is interesting. I mean, that could be a matchup that could happen. Yeah, you know, two African fighters. We need a UFC. Dana said he was going to, he said, before I retire, you know, as a UFC Head of the UFC, I two things are going to happen. I don't know what the one thing was, but the other was a UFC Africa would happen. I think that Dana should allow Drakus Duplessis to maybe get one more fight within the next year and then set up, uh, as long as Izzy keeps his title, set up UFC Africa fight between those two. That would be really exciting. I know that Lagos, Nigeria is a very, uh, that's a very possible location for it. I think that maybe... Maybe Ethiopia might be an option, but I have a strange feeling that Dana would uh, put it in Lagos just because Israel Adesanya is Nigerian, Kamaru Usman, Nigerian. So two of the three African champions during that, you know, the African champion era were Nigerian. I think that might play into where Dana decides to host the first UFC Africa event. Now, to reveal who I think is going to fight Israel Adesanya next. I know I've talked about Kamzat Shemaev missing weight, 
you know, not being accountable for his for his weight cuts. But Chimaev, I think that he should move from welterweight to middleweight. He should fight at his natural weight. And I think that he should either fight Adesanya next or Robert Whitaker for, for a title shot. I think that'd be really exciting. I think Whitaker Chimaev would be really entertaining. I don't think he should immediately get the title fight, kind of like Jones did. I feel like that shouldn't happen. But I think Whitaker Chimaev would definitely be... An insanely good fight because I don't think anybody is super excited to see Whitaker fight. Yeah, absolutely agree. I think that a fight between Whitaker and Chimaev would be great. You know, Whitaker, seasoned veteran, fantastic fighter, great in really all areas. Kamzat Chimaev, not as much as a veteran, but I think that, you know, his youth warrants the fact that he has more talent than I would say Robert Whitaker at his, at his current age. So it'd be a really exciting fight between those two. And I, I look forward to the future of the middleweight division. I can't wait to see what's next for Izzy. But for now, he can rest and enjoy his fantastic victory over Alex Pereira. What do you think the... I, I don't think... Honestly, I don't think that a trilogy fight will happen between those, uh, those two. Uh, unless it's in the far future, I don't think it'll happen again soon. Though. I don't think so either, unless Pereira... I don't know, unless he resists moving up away class and wants to keep make, cutting 40 pounds, uh, I guess we'll see. But, I, yeah, I don't really see them fighting at all anymore unless... Or well, if Pereira goes up weight class, I don't see them fighting. I saw this scenario earlier on social media. It was Pereira wins the light heavyweight belt, Adesanya is the middleweight champion, and then Adesanya moves up to light heavyweight to challenge for the double champ status against Pereira. And I said to myself, we can dream, but if that dream comes true, I'm going to be a happy man. Yeah, I, I mean, just like you said earlier with all the wrestlers in the, in that light heavyweight division, Pereira's going to have to go through a lot of growth to get that belt. And also, I'm thinking that his chin may be a little weaker than we all thought, because he even in uh, Izzy's and his first fight, like he got wobbled really hard at the end of the first, and he went out really fast in this second fight. I don't know how good his chin is. I mean, how much had that been tested in his previous fights? I honestly didn't watch a lot of his kickboxing career, so I don't know how good his chin is historically. I know he was, you know, good enough to be the first double champion in uh, glory kickboxing history and so i mean his chin must have been good but then again maybe his chin isn't as good as his defense is and maybe his defense needs to improve so that he can protect his chin but i don't really know the condition of his chin right now that's fair yeah i guess that's just something we'll have to look out for in the future yeah absolutely and lots of guys with power at light heavyweight as well so if he needs if he needs to protect his chin, then he better get really good at it if he's going to move up a weight class. Plenty of really strong guys in light heavyweight. That'll do it for today's podcast. It's been a pleasure talking to Ryan about UFC 287. And we might have a couple podcasts out this weekend, so stay tuned. But we'll have to see. I know Holloway and Arnold Allen are fighting this weekend on a fight night card that should be pretty good. So maybe we'll have a podcast on that. We'll see, but stay tuned. You can follow SBK MMA on all sorts of social media platforms, on Instagram, on uh, YouTube, on Twitter. We're pretty much everywhere. So if you like our content, go ahead and follow us there. Thank you for tuning in, guys. I'm Aiden Waxman along with Ryan Parker, and have a great rest of your day.